This time on... <clears throat> this time on Holy Ghost Notes. That's the most loose I've ever felt playing drums. It was painful, but... Stop it, Tim. Stop it. <laughs> because I love you. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thank you very much. Hey, what's up? This is Tim and Matt, and you are listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. And we're very excited that you are here with us today. We've got a, a fun one ahead. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Currently, I'm sweating your butt off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, doing a lot of that. Yeah. We're doing a summer bee market tour, which just screams heat and sweat. Yesterday, some of the guys did an ice bath. Wow, have you ever done that? I've never done that. I've done um, cryotherapy once, which isn't really okay. an ice bath. It's like, I guess, hydrogen air coming out. It like, gets really mm-hmm. cold like an ice bath, but it's in How a chamber. How was that? It was crazy, man. <laughs> you you want to be done so bad, but then you feel so energized after you get out. Yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't do it. I, I was working on a project in the, the dressing room, and I heard some of the opening bands were like... Um, so we're playing with a band called Hollow Front. Mm-hmm. and a band called Void of Vision from Australia. And both of them are like, hey, your, your guys are about to do an ice bath out there. So I went outside. We were in Corpus Christi, and the high was 101 yesterday, which has kind of been the norm for the last hmm. stretch, like week of shows, I would say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I went outside, and there was uh, <laughs> a container that I guess we had bought for merch and it was oddly sized so we never ended up using it for merch Mm -hmm. you know and so one of them got sent home and the other stayed on tour with we car we came as romans well my tour manager josh filled this thing up with ice and he got in it and um (laughs) oh so it was an actual homemade ice bath (laughs) it was a homemade ice bath yeah he was in for about two minutes I went into the dressing room and I felt like every couple minutes someone else would come in <laughs> shivering or just like big, big <laughs> smile on their face. Like that's the best experience. It, it yeah. hurt. Keep your hands out. But otherwise it was incredible. And I got out and I kind of feel, um, loose, you know, I, I got into yeah. this thing and my muscles are tense and I get out and everything just feels, feels mm-hmm. loose. Um, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do it before I, played having never done it before but the drummer for for void of vision actually did he got in yeah. and i talked to him right before we played i was like how was it and he's like oh my gosh that's <laughs> like, that's the most loose i've ever felt playing drums i said wow. how much time before you played did you do it he said 45 minutes mm. wow that's yeah. pretty cool that is cool well it increases uh circulation i think it's yes, um it is it's supposed to help your blood flow and uh which I can see why it would make you loose. A lot of a lot of athletes do it consistently mm-hmm. to keep their muscles, you know, loose and keep that circulation. Yeah. I know it's it's something uh, Matt Halpern does from really? Periphery. I, okay. Yeah, he has a big like fifty gallon drum, I guess. Can oh, you wow. picture that? Except it's like yeah. it's not wooden. It's it's I think specifically designed for this. And he okay. posts pictures of himself in this. He's like completely immersed in this. Up to his chin. Yeah. Um, wow. And I think he sits in there for a lot longer than two minutes. I can't. Mm. I can't say for sure, but I think he's in there for like twenty minutes. 
Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I don't mind the heat. Like, I like playing drums when it's hot. It kind of takes me back to Warped Tour days when we were doing, yeah. you know, when we would play, play shows um, basically on the bed of a tractor trailer was the stage. Right. <laughs> and it was just hot all the time. Right. And it, it, yeah, at times you're uncomfortable, but it just, you got used to it. I've mm-hmm. at this point gotten used to it. There was one show on this tour that um, I got so hot, I, I felt like I was going to pass out a couple times. Mm-hmm. It was in Austin, Texas, um, which I think will turn out to be the biggest show or one of the biggest shows of the tour. Uh, it was close to sell out, if not around 1,500 people. It was a really mm-hmm. good show. Um, and I was talking to Dave, the singer for We Car, last night. He said, yeah, same with me. I felt like tunnel vision if I was yeah I felt like I was going to pass out a couple times when you're playing at that level when it's that humid and that hot it's it becomes obviously not fun and the reason for me it's not fun is because I can't play well Mm. like I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I know the energy I'm supposed to be able to have and I know how hard I can hit during certain parts and I just can't and I get frustrated and then I get in a bad mood and I'm like oh I just want to be able to play like I know I can yeah for all of these people that are moshing and also sweating their butts off, but I just, I can't get any ventilation. My right. drum tech, Spencer's awesome and found a fan, like a secondary fan and put it behind me and pulled some of the cold air from behind the backdrop. And that, that was really right. helpful. Other yeah. than that show, it's just been, it's been fine though. Like it's been hot, yeah. but it's been, it's been good. So That's today good. we have the day off in El Paso, Texas. Um, I was just uh, saying in pre-roll, our bus driver, Steven, is incredible and drove a long way to get here. Shout out to Steven. Um, for our off day. And then, and then tomorrow we're in Tucson, Arizona um, for the next show. That's awesome. So yeah, all's well, man. It's going, great. It's going really good. Do you ever, um, <clears throat> at those hot shows, I just remember I was always afraid that I would lose my sticks because my hands were yeah. so sweaty. Mm-hmm. How often does it happen where you actually like drop a stick or a stick slips out because your hands are sweaty? Does that happen a lot to you? <laughs> it happens. It happened once on this tour. Actually, okay. that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was playing the part in Composure where you're like, I'm doing this kind of crazy fast fail in the beginning. Fast for me. And I knew I was, I kind of knew I was losing it. Uh, like my palms are sweaty just sitting here thinking about it because I, I hate when I... <laughs> feel like I can't grip my stick. Mm-hmm. The thing is you can't you can't overly grip your stick or else you're going to completely lose yeah your ability to play drums. So there's this mm-hmm. happy balance, but when you're that sweaty it's it's tough and I I went to do like the the crossover between snare and floor tom and I lost it. It went flying to my uh, le- yeah. to my left. Thankfully you have the stick caddy and mm-hmm. you know all was like fine. Happened. I'm just glad it wasn't during like a clean break, which we don't have a whole lot of, but that has happened yeah. where it's like nothing's happening except for, I don't know, Jake's like hand. doing a spoken word part. It's just like, <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. everyone looks behind. What was that? Oh, Matt dropped his stick. All right. <laughs> yeah. Good I remember job, I was Matt. playing a show. I was playing a show in Ocean City at one point and it was so hot. Same thing. And I knew the whole time, like there, I am inevitably going to drop a stick. And at that time we were playing, like my band had this like white and black thing going on. So all our instruments were white, but then like my bass player had black pickups. I was using like black sticks, had a black snare and the black coated sticks 
were so like the the paint would actually literally, literally sweating oh, thinking about this. That's the black, trouble. The black coating would kind of come off and make it really slick, and mm-hmm. so I lost a stick. And then I reached for a pair of, I don't know if you've ever seen these, but they're Zildjian, like, rubber-coated sticks. Yep. And it was a gift from somebody. I knew somebody. you were going to say that. Mm-hmm. And I picked them up just because I was like, well, at least I'll be able to grip the stick. And, man, I that one of my biggest regrets is ever playing with those sticks. I had so many blisters from those <laughs> sticks. My it destroyed my my hands. Um, uh-huh. It was awful. So but didn't, uh, I didn't drop a stick so, after that. So okay. <laughs> so work. I was gonna say. So it so it worked in that it was adhesion, but it was like, oh my gosh, it my killed, hands are yeah. destroyed oh, now. It, at towards the end of the show, it it hurt. Like I could feel the friction between the stick and, and I guess if you play with it a lot, got used to it, kind of calloused up those hands with yeah. the rubber stick in mind, you might not right. mind it as much, but man, switching from like a, just a regular coated Vic Firth to a, <laughs> to a Zildjian rubber coat, like was, <laughs> oh my gosh. There were, um, there were a lot of drummers at the show yesterday in Corpus Christi. Oh yeah? Do you remember back when you were playing a lot, do you remember talking to drummers before or after shows and just the, the, the camaraderie that you had at a, yeah. Like in the setting of a, a show. So there were a couple of drummers who brought cymbals for the meet and greet. Oh, cool. uh, one guy brought a 20-inch A custom crash to get signed. That was pretty cool. And then someone else brought this little mono splash. Um, and it's it's actually something I think about when I'm playing is who was at the meet and greet. Mm. Who's actually at this show. Yeah. I'm going to try to explain what I mean. So if you're playing drums in a band and you do it a lot, you can play without really ever thinking or seeing the audience you just you go on autopilot and you just play your parts and you think about your parts and you think about the music but you don't actually really think about it's easy to not think about um who's there Mm -hmm. (laughs) to see you play like the point of you being there playing the music Mm -hmm. me and greet and i and actually um i go to the barricade after the show and talk to fans and and those two aspects are, are, are actually important for me. People say like, you know, it's nice of you to come out and talk or like, I love that you guys do meet and greets. Um, but actually it's good for me to do too, because mm-hmm. it reminds me that like, oh yeah, I just talked to, to Matt. He's the one that brought this crash symbol. He's mm-hmm. here to it see the show. grounds you a little bit. Yeah. And he's a drummer. Yeah. Or you talk to this other person who, oh my gosh, they just got this sweet, badass rescue and restore tattoo on their mm. you know their their left bicep and and you know they lost their grandma all a year ago and the song beauty and tragedy is their favorite song so then you you're yeah. starting to play the song and you're thinking about that person mm-hmm. um and i i do that i'll say when i do that i play better and when i do that i have more fun yeah because it's it's no longer just practicing it's no longer just your performance it's like well actually here's the reason you're here uh, this this person's here to see you play and here's their story um, yeah i like that it's it's very cool our, our our fans are incredible we were talking about it in pre-roll they've been driving hours to see us play and that's amazing so many of them have like really cool stories about you know where they came from or why they listen to the band or why they play drums why they play this kit or the or yeah. these cymbals and Several have talked about this podcast even. Shout out if you're listening and, and you've come out to a show. It's been really it's amazing. 
been cool to talk to some of you guys about the podcast, guys and girls about the podcast. And thanks for following along. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, very cool. So we've got uh, we've got a fun one today. <laughs> and I say that because Matt is so apprehensive about these topics. <laughs> Tim, I, I I get the feeling that you you are enjoying you are enjoying this. Even oh, before I am it, eating it this up, man. I am eating this up. No, it's All not right. gonna be too bad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, for some reason, my phone is dying now, though. <laughs> so I'm going to take care of that. Matt, why don't you uh, <laughs> introduce what oh, our topics thanks, are going Tim. to be? <laughs> Thank you very much. This is incredibly convenient. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. So our drum topic today is branding yourself, which from what I understand is an inner circle topic contribution. Yeah. And right off the bat... I am not a huge fan of this topic unless I'm not understanding the the reason behind it because what what I hear when I hear someone say how do I brand myself as a drummer is my drumming isn't enough and I need to network and do something to be recognized for my drumming. Mhm. And so from the start, you are, in my opinion, just not, um, you're not in it for, I'm not going to say the right reason, but the best reason, which is playing drums. Mm -hmm. Um, There is obviously a convergence between drumming and business. Uh, At some point, if you want to make drumming your career, it's important, actually, that you think about how you're going to do this. How, how are you going to monetize your, your ability to play drums? Mm-hmm. However, um, too much focus on branding and marketing yourself means that something else is taking a back seat. And that too often in my experience in this, in this industry is your drumming, your ability, what you're actually providing. So the thing that you're selling becomes secondary to selling that thing. Mm -hmm. And that I think is just really gross. Um, And it's not doing you any, it's doing you a disservice because you're going to play drums at that point. You're going to say, well, the most important thing is that I'm upholding this look or brand. um, And you're, you're not going to be in it for the fun of it, Mm -hmm. for the reason that you started. No one, I don't, very few people start playing an instrument because um, uh, they want to brand themselves as a musician. They, they, they start playing an instrument because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's one of the best things. You talk to someone who plays drums or plays guitar, and it's like in the top five favorite things that they do if they're actively doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about how to brand yourself as, let's just say a drummer, but more broadly as a musician, because to me it says the pretense is that you need to do something more than just provide the service of playing the instrument. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. So what else are you going to do? And 
I think that obviously there are other factors in branding yourself and becoming successful. However, (laughs) the most important one, if you have any sense of integrity, I think is just, are you most concerned with the thing itself, not how to sell that thing? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was the uh, the perfect setup, man. So thank you for that. You you knocked that out of the park. So that was both my setup and my uh, monologue. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's just wait. Everything it's going to be a good conversation. Say. It's going to be a good conversation. So when I sent Matt this topic, he was apprehensive <laughs> about it for good reason. Uh, he he voiced his concerns about it, and that made me want to do this topic even more <laughs> because. <laughs> Because I knew that that's where, like, where Matt is taking it is kind of where I want to go with this. But I love it because Matt is a drummer, and and he is a drummer to the fullest extent. But I'm coming from a different perspective as a marketer and someone who actually sells branding as a service for my clients mm-hmm. and manage those products, projects, and sometimes have a big hand in that in that process. Um, granted. There's a difference. So I'm going to bring it back to kind of the fundamentals of branding here. And then we're going to talk about how I actually feel it's unnecessary, which is where Matt's going with this, <laughs> in drumming and how it can actually be something that you need to work against uh, for your own benefit. So branding, uh, like most people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, branding, your brand is your logo. It's as simple as that. That mm. is not what I preach in my business. That is not um, how I market. Your brand is is your identity. As as a as a business, your brand gives you identity. So it's your logo, it's your website, it's your color scheme, it's your your voice, your uh, you know the way that you articulate. It's the way that you present yourself. It's the companies you affiliate yourself with. That is your brand. And similarly. It's going to be that way as a drummer, right? It's Matt is branded, for lack of better words, as the drummer of as August a farmer Burns Red. drummer. As a <laughs> farmer drummer, that too. But you are, in most people's heads, branded as the drummer of August Burns Red. That's how most people would identify you. So here we are now. Uh, there's a, a new age of people who are going to identify Matt as the drummer on that Zildjian Live uh, episode with Snarky Puppy. Oh, yeah, Matt Griner, he's that Zildjian drummer, right? He's that Zildjian Live drummer. Yeah, I know him. And so now Matt's got two brands going on. (laughs) How do you manage that? Well, as a drummer, you just manage that by drumming. We talk about this all the time. When the doors are closed and all you can hear is the drumming, who are you going to think it is? We, met, we talk about Travis Barker and a number of other drummers who, if you heard their playing without seeing who was playing, you would know exactly who they are. That mm-hmm. is how you brand yourself as a drummer. Because ultimately, branding is people's first impression of you. And in some cases, you can't help what brand people are going to put on you as a drummer because ultimately you are not necessarily a business entity. Matt, in some cases is he could insure his hands for good reason because if anything happens to his hands he's out of a job Mm -hmm. um he's a professional most drummers would do the same thing they would make sure that their body's in tip-top shape and they have a backup plan should something go Mm -hmm. south right um and most people 
for good reason, have branded Matt as the drummer of August Burns Red and or the drummer from Zildjian Live or the drummer on this Zildjian Symbol Pack or <laughs> whatever, whatever their first impression of Matt was, that's how forever they will live in their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Matt said is exactly where I wanted to go with this in that how do you brand yourself as a drummer? You drum. <laughs> you you practice. You, uh, I think, be true to yourself. If you have to change who you are to fit a certain brand, then you're you're not staying true to yourself. You're not um, you're not really making a consistent brand because at some point you're going to falter from that. So work on your craft. Stay mm-hmm. true to you and, and your sound. Um, if you're in a band and you're not just a session player, give your all to that band, you know? Make it known that you're the drummer in that band. That's totally cool. That's a great way to brand yourself, so to speak. Um, but, like, ultimately, just practice the craft and, and make make yourself a drummer that people recognize for your drumming. Um Everyone's going to have that thing. Ash Stone is the pocket guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you've got guys like Stan Bicknell. They're the drummer who got famous because of their crazy, you know, uh, single pedal abilities and some of the mm-hmm. cool creative videos that he came up with because of his single pedal. Um, you know, you got, well, yeah, there's countless drummers that are known and branded, so to speak, for the things that they're known for. Mm-hmm. Um and you just kind of have to figure out what that is. Um, be creative. You know, a lot of the drummers that are really popular right now, they're known for something, but it's almost harder. And Matt, maybe you can speak into this aspect a little bit. I think it's harder to unbrand yourself when you're held to something. And so here's a here's a practical example outside of drumming. Um, take Ariana Grande, for instance. She started as a Disney Channel artist. Or Miley Cyrus, take either one of them. They both started as Disney Channel artists, or Disney Channel actresses, I should say, mm-hmm. in these TV shows. And it was very difficult for them to break out of that brand. They were that young child actor in that silly TV show that some young kids watched, you know? It took them forever to break out of that and actually prove to the world that they were good artists that they could actually sing that they weren't singing to uh to a backing track of you know Mm -hmm. that they weren't lip syncing on stage basically (laughs) you know they had to prove themselves and break out of that brand and i think as a drummer sometimes not that you have any desire to do this but i think at this point in your career matt it would be extremely hard for you to break out of the branding of drummer of august burns red Mm -hmm. yeah unless some you know yeah. I actually think this is a, a good topic because it took a different turn than what I thought it was going to. Um, so I think what we're talking about is we're talking about what are you known for? Mm-hmm. And I think this is actually really important because it, it talks to the more general idea of social media and everyone wants to be somebody else. They don't want to be yeah. themselves because they think that you need to be somebody else to be somebody. And the, perfect example of this is Steve Moore plays for um, a cover band. He used to play for a cover band. I, I think he still does. He's coming back to the location in Pennsylvania that made him famous, which is drummer at the wrong gig. Mm. So there's this, you know, outdoor amusement 
park called Knobles. It's a gen- it's a treasure. This place is amazing. No admission fee. You pay per ride, and they have this amphitheater, and they bring in these really talented cover bands, and they you sit and you you know eat your ice cream that you just bought for a dollar twenty five, and you and you watch you know these bands perform. Steve Moore played drums in this band, and this video was taken by who knows uh, who it was, and it got 19 million views pretty quickly and he became known as that hilarious drummer who's mm-hmm. actually really good at what he does and hilarious to watch well he messaged me after quite a few million views on YouTube and he's like I don't like this basically I don't like this and I want to be taken seriously like you in the music industry mm-hmm. what do I do so here's a collision course of like, I want to brand myself and I don't like how I'm being branded. I don't like mm-hmm. what I'm coming to be known for, which is this hilarious, talented drummer who does stick tricks and, you know, whips around his jacket. And <laughs> this incredible <laughs> video. If you've never seen this, you need to go watch yeah. this. Should be the cover for this, actually, uh, for this episode. Um, and maybe we can get him on. Have we had Steve on before? No, no, I think we talked about it. We should get him on. That's a good idea. We got to get him on. Yeah, we'll get him on here. Um, he's just the perfect example of what to do because he did it so well. So he messaged mm-hmm. me. He said, what do I do? I said, dude, you got it. Don't try to be anything else. Like you need to run with this. You're incredible at what you do. And there's, there's actually inefficiency in your corner. Like mm-hmm. no one's really doing what you're doing. So there's not a lot of competition and, and you're so good at it. It's who you are. I didn't talk to him for a couple of years. Uh, I'd have to pull up our emails, but he eventually sent me another message and said, dude, I just want to thank you. It's been a couple of years. Um, things are going really well for me. I, I basically took your advice and I was on The Office, on an episode of The Office. Um, they brought me in to do this kind of funny skit. And then Roland hired me to do this funny skit yeah. on playing drums with I a bear that. sleeping underneath of your apartment. like. <laughs> He ran with it, and yeah. he's he's the guy. If you want something funny and lighthearted and also incredible, yeah. who else would you want to have in it? You wouldn't want Travis Barker. You wouldn't want Tony Royster Jr. You wouldn't want me. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't want Spears. You want Steve. He's yeah. the guy. Yeah. And that's why he got the call. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to be me. I want to be Travis Barker. I don't like the way I play. I like the way they play. Um, the best thing you can do is just sit still for a second, turn off that idea and think about the fact that, um, we talked about this, many people try to be Aaron Spears, but he already exists. Mm -hmm. So if someone needs Aaron Spears, they're going to call him. They're not going to call you. You have something actually. And maybe you, you don't have something that you think is all that awesome or special, but, um, I believe that God I believe in the Christian sense that God actually gave you the ability to do what you're doing, whether it's drumming or something else, mm-hmm. and it's yours. Right. And so to try to be somebody else is is really a disservice to who you are and what your potential is. And I mean that. Like Steve, Steve did it. He he actually stopped and he thought, okay, I can either try to be Tony Royster Jr. I think I have the chops for it, but like, how do I get people to see me that way? Or he was just like, no, actually I need to just continue being this mm-hmm. because you know what? Tony Roaster Jr. I guarantee you saw that video 
And I guarantee you said amazing things about him because it's incredible. Right. It's incredible. Uh, and he never, Tony Royster Jr. never would have been like, oh my gosh, this guy's incredible if he's trying to be exactly like Tony Royster. Correct, yeah. So of course the logic checks out, but that's not human nature. Human nature is to say, oh my gosh, I want to be this other person. How do I brand myself to be that thing? It's actually a lot easier than that for you. You just, like you said, have to work on the thing that you're doing and keep going. And, and like you say, get creative with it. Like, what are you mm-hmm. known for? So when you were saying that, it kind of spoke to me, conversation I had with Mike Johnson years ago, like over COVID, I was like, I want to do this subscription website. Um, and he said, well, Matt, people want to know how to play like you. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I'm like, people want to know how to play like me. Okay. What do I play like? So if you're listening to this and, and you're wondering that same thing, you should pull out piece of paper and a pencil or pull out your notes on your iPhone and just start writing down a couple of things that you think you're known for and then ask people, do you think I'm known for this? So here are some things I'm known for the China symbol, how to smash mm-hmm. it to smithereens. <laughs> Tons okay. of great memes on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great China meme. You've actually, surprisingly enough, you've actually sent me more Matt Griner China smashing memes than anyone else. <laughs> I've had some good ones sent to me, but you've sent me the best ones. By far. The blood letter one's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, there's 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 quite a few. So that's 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 an that's automatic. Funny. But of course like double bass, syncopated yep. patterns, polyrhythms, you know, offbeat symbol patterns. Um, um August Burns Red Songs. August Burns Red Songs, yeah. So just yeah. to name a few, like there you go. There it is. That's your brand. Mm-hmm. Try to try to do that for yourself. I realize you might not be even playing in a band, but when you sit down and play, what are people most impressed by or like kind of like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And, and don't be the kind of person that says it's, it's really not that incredible. Like it's, it's yeah. not even that hard. If someone's saying that it's incredible, it is to them. Mm-hmm. Just because it's not hard to you doesn't mean it's not great. It just means it's really natural to you and it yeah. just comes easily. Mm-hmm. And here's another note. <clears throat> You can always rebrand. <laughs> I mean, half of the projects that I work on in marketing are rebranding projects. I mean, mm. it's they already had a brand. They want to rebrand. They want to change their appearance. Take Luke Holland, for instance, who for the longest time was merely known as the YouTube drummer, drummer who did cool stick tricks. He at some point decided he didn't like that. He didn't want that brand. He didn't want to just be known as the YouTube drummer with cool stick tricks. He wanted to be known as a great drummer <laughs> who can play this style of music or other styles of music. I mean, even mm-hmm. when we talked to him, what, uh, a couple of years ago, um, December of yeah. 2019 or eight or, or 20, or I forget which one it was, but um, we talked to him. 19. And he was talking at that point that he didn't want to be known for metal drumming, that he wanted mm-hmm. to start getting into like trap and like different styles of drumming. And even in that point with his success, he was still thinking, how do I rebrand myself? I don't want to be just known and put in this box of people who do this. Um, So how do you rebrand yourself as a drummer? Simply put, lean into your own strengths. Yeah. That's it. And if at some point down the road, you decide that that's not how you want to be branded, Lean into a new strength. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good advice. I mean, and and we should also talk too about the fact that it's important 
if you want drumming to be your career, you actually have to take some things seriously that you might not be interested in, or mm-hmm. you might not feel like give you the same kind of integrity as just being artistic. Well, right. if you're going to monetize what you're doing, at some point you're going to have to say, I need to sell this. Someone, yep. someone is going to need to know about this, which means mm-hmm. you need to market yourself. That's right. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to mesh the, the two things that are hard for a lot of musicians to do, which is business and artistic expression. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I remember years ago, I heard someone say the idol in business is the bottom line, but the idol in the music industry is artistic expression. They're both idols. They're mm-hmm. both things that you prioritize above everything else. Um, so someone who is artistic might say, well, the most important thing for me is just, you know, having integrity and not selling out, right? Um, and as soon as they start to make some, some amount of money, they're like, no, 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 I can't. That, that's not okay. Someone in the business world, the bottom line is, is money, right? So it's like, well, we need to make money. We need to make money. And as soon as someone brings an idea to the table that's artistic, they say, whoa, 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 that's a little, that's a little too much. You actually need both. They, they need to live together because you need mm-hmm. you know, ingenuity and you need success, you know, profitability. So Correct. as a musician, you're going to have to get over that idea at some point if you're looking to monetize it. If not, mm-hmm. no problem. Practice away yeah. and play for fun and it, won't, it probably won't be your career. But yeah. if you're looking for it to pay the bills, there's nothing wrong with being paid to provide a service, which, as it turns out, is entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, here's a, a, humbling, a couple humbling facts. The band uh, Rat, who some of you might not be familiar with, but they had a big single, and uh, they saw some success, um, and they've made so much more money <laughs> from the entirety of their career up until now. They made more money from being featured on a Geico commercial than any other part in their career. Just from being having one of their songs on a Geico commercial. They've made more money from that. <laughs> Kate <laughs> Bush. Kate Bush has the, her single Running Up That Hill. She saw a lot of success in the 80s. Um, had, a, had a pretty good career. Then uh, her single was featured on Stranger Things. She's made so much more money in the last few months than she's ever made in her entire career from mm. this one song that Stranger Things picked up. Some would be like uh, Metallica too. Metallica's mm-hmm. uh, what's uh, uh, Master of Puppets is like back on the charts, and they're making so much money from that single. And a lot of the feedback is like, ah, like they were so cool until they got on the charts as you know from Stranger Things, and you know there's real fans here that are that have appreciated this song since the '80s. You know, whatever. It's and it's like, like come on, guys, like. Oh, it's Metallica on Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. Master of Puppets is is now up on the charts, and and Running Up the Hill by Kate Bush is on the charts, all just from (laughs) Stranger Things. And they're both getting a lot of flack for it from the original fans, you know, the OG, um, of course, because now they're like, you know, mainstream, and that's not cool anymore. Um, Not that Metallica was ever not mainstream. (laughs) Like, come on. (laughs) But uh, biggest metal band of all time. (laughs) But yeah, it's like it's you know, yeah. In some cases, you know, you are going to have to make some sacrifices that you know might look like selling out to some people and uh mm-hmm. and that's just part of it it is that's exactly right 
Yeah. That's so. good. Well, this has been a good topic. Uh, yeah. I, um, I should have never doubted I, me. I, <laughs> I talked, I talked down to the, uh, to whoever had this idea, this terrible yeah. idea. And, uh, now I mildly condone it, not wholeheartedly, yes. but it's, it wasn't, as awful as I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the closest you're going to get to an apology. <laughs> there you go. On to the faith topic. On to the faith topic, which you're also apprehensive <laughs> about. Um, I'll set this one up. So I was sitting in church yesterday and just thinking about a phrase that, I, that I've heard so often growing up that um, I guess is referenced from scripture, but it's that church is not a place for the healthy, but for the sick. Not that it's not for the healthy, but it's like there is a lot of people who would come in, quote unquote, get saved, and then look down on anyone coming into the church that wasn't, that didn't have their shit together. Like it was mm -hmm. all of a sudden this, like, oh, you don't belong here. This is a church filled with Christians, with perfect people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was this big push to like say, church is a place for the sick. Everyone is welcome. And I 100% agree with that sentiment. However, what I've found myself doing, and I'm still catching myself, and I caught myself yesterday thinking, church is a place for the sick. Um, so let me look around for the sick people so that I can help them. I'm serving at this mm. church. I'm obviously not sick, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, <laughs> but, but then I thought about it for a second. I was like, what, what if I'm sick? So Matt brought something to my attention yesterday when I threw this topic out and, and I love that he did it and it ensured that I really wanted to do this topic because it comes from scripture where, you know, Jesus didn't come to heal, uh, but to, you know, he came to heal the sick. Um, mm -hmm. and not the healthy, for, not the healthy. And from, I wrote a from, paper on this when I started my band to, oh, to, to prove to my parents that I wasn't just going out and screwing yeah. my life up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's amazing. I, I want, I want you to talk about that because I, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Sure. Well, lots of people use the Bible <laughs> sometimes accurately and oftentimes not, but it's, uh, it, this is one thing that I feel like, okay, so yes, when you like salvation comes and you have a sinful nature, but you're no longer considered a sinner. Right. And that's something that is important to keep in mind. But where I'm coming from is that it's really easy to, especially like, like I w I'm a new churchgoer technically. I've been out of church for so long that I'm back in and I'm relearning all these things all over again, being someone who goes to church and recognizing mm. things too, that I probably wouldn't have recognized prior to being out of the church for so long, which has been really fascinating and frustrating and strange to, to be completely honest. But being back mm -hmm. in church, I was sitting there thinking like, oh yeah, I'm not the sick cause you know, I'm saved. Uh, and you know, I need to look for the sick people. I need to, and then I, then it dawned on me, what if, what if I'm, sick what if I'm sitting here and I need to be ministered to what mm -hmm. if I need this I don't like sometimes I find myself zoning out from the message or you know whatever because it's like well I know all this already I've read the Bible before I've been in church my entire life this message is really for someone else 
Like, I don't need to, I don't need to, this isn't for me, <laughs> you know? But then it's like, well, what if it is? And mm. I, I'm saying this because I am, I've had conversations like this in the past and I guarantee that there are some of you listening who get to that point too, where you actually close yourself off to receiving anything from the church experience because you're in that mindset that you don't mm. need it. You're not the sick. Church is for the sick, not for the healthy. And maybe you're not as healthy as you think you are. Are you saved? Sure. Are you, you know, do you have salvation? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. But you still need to be ministered to sometimes. Sometimes you need mm -hmm. help. Like sometimes you're, you're, at, you're there listening to that message because you need it and you need to be mm. open to receiving it. And that's, where this whole idea came from. And I just want to talk about it a little bit because I think you and I are both going to have slightly different points of view. And now hearing that you wrote this paper on it, I'm really, really fascinated by this. And, uh, but that's kind of the setup. That's kind of where my head's going. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, being a Christian means y you are willing to say that you are a sinner. Otherwise, there would be no need to accept Jesus and follow him with any sense of need or, or um, loss or, you know, desperation in your life. Mm -hmm. I think this is why we see people who have not, they weren't born and raised in a Christian home and they lived their own way of life for a while. And, and then one day they, they found God. They had a coming to Jesus moment and, um, and they, and they can juxtapose what it was like to actually live life without grace and without the knowledge that someone loves them and knows them. <laughs> like, yeah, you know me and yet you still love me. Mm -hmm. When you mesh those two things together, that'll, that will change your change you from bending towards sin to bending towards obedience and I think that's what we're talking about here is as a Christian you should never be to your point in the place where you're saying I don't need help and um, <clears throat> I'm actually in a good place I'm I, I, I don't have any need for God, besides the fact that this is my identity and who I'm called to be. Well, actually, no one's perfect. And the more that you realize how deprived you are, the more in love and in awe and wonder you can be about what you've been given by God, which in my life changes you. It, yeah, it changes me. It, it makes me think to myself, wow, I can't believe that Jesus knows what I've done and who I am really. The kind of things that you don't want people to know about, you know, the, the whole Johnny Depp, you know, airing your dirty laundry. Like imagine if you had to tell everyone around you the worst things you've ever done. And yet God knows all of that. Mm -hmm. And he's still saying to you, I love you. And actually I've, I've given the most important thing I can give, which is my son so that you and I can be 
close to each other. That, that yeah. doesn't leave you with the reaction of like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, I can take <laughs> yeah. it or leave it. It's like, that, no, that creates a visceral reaction in you when you experience that kind of thing. We've talked about it before where you come home from work and you have this burden of, um, of a, let's say, a car loan for, for $30,000 and you're really not sure how you're going to pay it off. And there's a note on the table when you get home from work, it says, I paid that, I paid that car loan off for you. And you say, wow, that's amazing. I, I hope I find out who did this. It was an anonymous note. Hopefully one day I can thank that person. Whereas someone else comes home from work and, um, and they have back taxes that are going to land them in prison for the rest of their life. And they know that the court date's upcoming and they come home and there's a note on the table and it says, I took care of that and cleared it with the courts and you're innocent and you don't owe a thing. Sure, you still owe it. You didn't pay it back, but I did. And you're, you're free and clear. Your reaction to that's going to be, I have to find out who this is. And if I find out who it is, I'll do whatever it takes for the rest of my life. Hmm. That doesn't even touch what's been done for you and me in the Christian sense of grace, mm -hmm. forgiveness, and mercy. Because we deserve something that as Christians, we're, we don't have to pay for with our lives, even though we, we should, because justice has to be served. So the idea of being in a church, like you said, Tim, where you are walking around with your head up and looking around and thinking, I have the answers. I need to find people to help and never looking at yourself and never, never remembering what God gave you. Um, and yet, I, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about this and not think about other people. Like right there, I'm doing it. I, I just thought about people who do this and it's <laughs> right. like, wait, stop. It's you too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's demented how much we project on other people. Um, yeah. <laughs> me, you, if you're listening to this, you do yeah. this. Mm -hmm. You think that what you've done with your life is better than what other people have done with theirs. You think that you deserve something, at least something. You're not perfect maybe, but mm -hmm. you have some answers. And in the Christian sense of being healthy and sick, I think the bottom line, if I can just summarize it with this, it would be um, at your healthiest, you're looking at your life and saying, I do not deserve the life I've been giving. Mm -hmm. and, and at your sickest, you're very rarely ever thinking about your sin and your shortcomings. And you're thinking, I am holier than thou and I have the answers and I'm just looking for people to save, serve, and help. Mm -hmm. That might have the appearance of someone who's healthy. And uh, I, I would argue that's a dangerous place to be because you've deceived yourself. Mm -hmm. That's right. But, but the thing is, the, the Western church is so messed up because mm -hmm. it's, so, it's so much about prosperity and health and image. And it's like, what? That has nothing to do. That, that's, that's not the message 
of Christianity. The message of Christianity is love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? And love God. Who is God? (laughs) And I feel like all these other things have just muddied the water that we we have to spend so much time talking about it to even get to the point, which is so simple. Mm Love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Mm-hmm. My neighbor on tour is is pretty simple, actually. It's the 11 other guys on the bus. Um, and then everyone I come in contact with on tour. And for mm-hmm. years, Tim, I spent my life thinking that I had, I had to put up this wall so that I wouldn't um, lose my faith because of the lifestyles of the actions mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. it was that was happening on the other side of that wall. And it, it took me a long time, way too long to realize that, that I have a lot to learn from the people that are around me, my neighbors. And these are the people who I'm living my life with that mm-hmm. I am being called on to love and serve yeah. and live and live my life with. And yet Christianity, at least the way I was raised, it's like at times you're taught be in the world, but not of the world. That's bad. This is good. Build your mm-hmm. wall. Very black and white. <laughs> no, that it's wall not. is separating you from your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And actually you have a lot to learn from that person because they might be a lot less judgmental than you and they might have some valuable things to say about how to live your life. Yeah. Right? And being a Christian, you can't stand on the fact that you've done anything. Mm-hmm. Right? You've just accepted what somebody, someone, Jesus did for you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that someone else can have too, but it's certainly nothing that you're like, look at my badge, right? Mm-hmm. I did this. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. And yet, dude, we, we all walk around like that, like we did something special. Yeah. Dude, I think I think it's really important for everyone listening, Christian or not, to just take a second and recalibrate. Like stop yourself from overthinking and just thinking think about this. Like it's hmm. okay to not be okay. Doesn't matter who you are. It is okay to not be okay. You know why? Because you're a human and when you're not okay, it's a very human thing, <laughs> and it's and that's okay. Yeah. Picture this: what what if you, as a Christian, you're sitting in your church that you've been attending your entire life, and someone comes in and they're they've never heard the gospel, and they come in and they actually teach you a thing or two about how to love somebody. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. I've had that happen before. Mm-hmm. Same. I've had people who don't know God. They've never stepped foot in a church in their lives. Teach me how to love. And that's saying something. My mom, my mom was over this weekend. My parents were over this weekend. My mom was telling me a story uh, about a guy who was on his deathbed. I guess he was having heart surgery and pretty much died on the operating table. And he ended up getting resuscitated, coming back to life, um, had already died, but came back to life because his heart wow. had started working again. And he came out with one thing. He said when he died, he was in the throne room in a long line of people standing before Jesus. 
And Jesus was asking one question to every single person in that line. There was, there was no account being given. It was, there was none, no, like, do you know what you did? This is, did you know? He was asking one question and this is what he was asking. Did you learn to love? Hmm. You're here, you died, you lived life. Did you learn to love? And then he awoke back to life and it changed his life. Now, whether or not he was dreaming it up and it was in his head or whether he actually visited heaven for a split second as someone yeah. lying right. dead on that operating table, who knows? Both are possible. But both the are truth, completely possible. The truth is, both are possible. The truth is, if you look at the Bible and you look at Jesus and you look at how he lived and, and the message that he portrayed, it was all about love. And you mm-hmm. said it before, love your neighbor and love God. <laughs> like yeah. those are the two most important things. If you're not doing those things, if you're trying to do something lower on that list that doesn't fall in line with those two things, then you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Yep. And I think it's important too to to understand that like it's it's very important for us to recalibrate, realize we are sinners. We don't have to live in sin, but we are sinners. We're imperfect. We do not deserve eternal life in paradise. It's just plain and simple. We don't. Jesus cleared that slate for us. He paid that debt. He didn't just come and say, oh, your debt is paid. He came and said, I want you to live. I want you to live a fulfilled life. This is a I great want point. You to, I want you to like it. What it didn't stop there. Like you now, you owe right. me, bro. Like I cleared this right. off. Now you owe me. Now you gotta do everything I say. It wasn't that. It was I cleared this off because I love you. Mm-hmm. Here, here's and, a bunch of things you can do to to better your life because I love you. I want and you. I to want be. you to enjoy life. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. like, to your point, it's like I didn't just I didn't just give you life, and now it doesn't really matter what happens next. It's like no, actually, this is all really important. What happens next. exactly? Like your your life and the way you interact with people around you is kind of the point mm-hmm. of all of this. That's right. Everyone you come in contact with, every single hardship that you go through, I guarantee. If you uh, if you have the right perspective and you get through that thing, you're going to look back and realize, oh, this made me a better person. This made me who I am. Every single successful person, I can almost guarantee, will attribute their hardships to their success. And if you asked anyone, like, would you, would you remove that struggle? Would you remove that pain? Most of them would probably say no. This made me who I am. This got their, me to where I am. Their now. their success. Uh, you mean they would attribute their success to their hardships? Yeah, at least in part. Yeah, I mean hard work. Of course, there's you know going to be a bunch mm-hmm. of things. I'm sure they'd attribute to it. But would they remove that hardship if they had the chance to? Probably not, because I think it made no. they probably would agree. It got them to where they are. It made them who they are. And and these are the things that like I want to learn. And, and I want to stress the point because where where this started was just me sitting in church realizing. Dude, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Like I need help. Like I'm not okay. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not just immune to this this word of of encouragement or this word of con- conviction because I'm a Christian. This isn't for the people who who don't know this already. This is for me. 
Like, mm. I can receive this. I can't, you know, <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it just like hit me. So for the Christians listening, I urge you guys just to like open yourselves up a little bit. You're not, you're, you're going to church and, and I'm hoping that you guys are getting filled and that you're receptive to, to the things that are being said, that you're receiving something and that you're willing to admit that you're not okay if you're not. It's okay if you are okay. Please, I would love for that to be the case. But if you're not okay, if you're struggling with something, that's fine. That's okay. Receive. You don't have to put up a front. And if there's people who don't think the way that you think or don't believe the things that you believe or don't act the way that you act or don't smell the way that you smell, whatever, there is an opportunity to learn and to love or to learn to love. I mean, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all there. And I, it's, it's, I think it's really important that we, that we do that. Here's, here's a point I want to make about this too. I, if you look at the course of August Burns Red and me starting the band in 2003 with JB and Brent, my parents must've been at some point mortified that I was starting this band that screamed in their basement. My family's not a musical family. I mean, my sister mm-hmm. played piano Several of my siblings played piano, but that was about the extent of it. And so here it was out of nowhere. It's not like we were a rock and roll family. This was a new, <laughs> uh, you know, a new concept. And my parents, I, I think, prayed about it, and they realized, well, you know what? God made Matt the way he is, and he loves this thing, drumming, and we're just going to trust that this is a part of his life for a reason. We're not going to over-parent, mm-hmm. right? we as Christians are actually just going to trust that God has a plan here, even though it doesn't make sense to us. And if you look over the course of this band's history, there have been so many conversations and things that have happened that none of us could have manufactured. None of us could have even made up or dreamt up or imagined ever happening. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, I believe that God had it in mind to have this band be something that helps people and helps people understand how to find healing or joy yeah, or uh, any other positive change in their life. Um, and I don't believe for a second that it's just because of us. Um, I think God designed it this way and that, if you are willing to look at your life and say you aren't in control of it, of what happens tomorrow, um, and you are able to say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna trust that God has a plan here, then you're going to look at people around you and you're going to relax a little bit. And you're gonna say, it's, it, it's okay that this person doesn't do things the way that I do. Because mm-hmm. God's plan is perfect. I believe that. Even though yeah. life is incredibly far from perfect and difficult and awful at times, doesn't mean that God's plan isn't still perfect and that good in the end will win out and that people will be better off because of this. I'll be better off because of this. I think that one of the problems is that, especially in the Western church, we like to have control and we like to dictate what the narrative is. 
right? We like to say, this is what it means and this is how it's going to be. And yeah, we're going to put the sign on the marquee out front that says everyone's welcome. But if you come walking in here and you look like that or you say that or you love that person, you don't love... I don't know, man. We might have to sit down and have a conversation. Well, hold on a second. Everyone that's a Christian is, is in the process of being sanctified. That's really the word here. And they're being sanctified, I believe, because of their understanding of what's been gifted to them mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit showing them the areas in their life that they need to fix and confront. So here's how I'll end this um, to your point about the church. If you are, if you are a church, you, your life is a church, who are you letting in and why or why not? Because there for a long time, I was only opening the door to people who thought like me, who felt like me, who loved like me, who had the same worldview that I had. And clearly the door was closed to people because I was judgmental. And I really felt like if I let people in, um, then it compromised my faith or it compromised my relationship with God. Who are you letting in? reality, it was probably you weren't confident in your faith or absolutely in your reality. Right. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. and that's where I'm going with this. So my, my faith in God only grew because of traveling with the band and living with people who had different worldviews than me, Mm -hmm. not in spite of it. And that's the wild thing. When I go home from tour, I talk to people who don't ever leave. And I was telling my wife about this yesterday. Like there, there are people who, who's, Life um, has only taken more and more of a turn towards being hateful and angry and bitter and resentful Hmm. because they're closed off to people that don't operate the same way they do because, hey, my way is right, your way is wrong. That is only going to go in one direction, which is worse, more negative, more cynical, nasty. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of nasty. And part of it's because I leave for a while and I come home. And so I can really see this contrast. Yeah. But who are you willing to let in? Because I would argue that it's only going to create more confidence and trust in the faith that you have if what you believe in is real. And what I've done over the last 20 years is really tested my faith. Is it real? If it is, then it's not just a caricature. It's going to, it's going to be able to survive whatever questions are posed yep. in its direction mm-hmm. is what you believe in really true and real. I, bu- I think it should probably produce an outcome that's loving. And I think it should probably produce an outcome that is confident regardless of where you're at and who you're with. Mm-hmm. And for me, that that's really been the story of ABR. At the end of the day, I'm going to look back. And I'm going to say I lived life alongside of a lot of different people, a lot of different walks of life. And what I know is that I love God with all my heart and I still can't believe what he's done for me. Yeah. That's right. And also there's a lot of good people outside of the church. We've talked about this a lot. I'd rather sit next to someone on an airplane who's never stepped foot in a church than someone who lives only on the inside of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. I think we just have to try our very best. We're going to fail at this, but we got to try our very best to look at everything through a lens of love. As cheesy as that sounds, I mean... That guy on his cheesy deathbed. Cheesy because it's true. <laughs> cheesy because it's true. Cheesy. Yeah. Cheesy because it's true. It, that guy on his deathbed, whether he actually visited heaven or not, 
if that's the question that, that Jesus is asking, and it would certainly fall in line scripturally, if that is what he asks at the end of the day, when you're up there face to face, did you learn to love? Man, I really hope that I'm taking every single opportunity in this life to learn how. Yeah. I know. Same. I really, I really do. I, I, there's, there's nothing that really matters all that much in life. Um, if what you're, if what you're doing with your life isn't making a positive difference and and that's Mm -hmm. what love does every time, every turn you take, if you don't like the way that someone's living their life, if you disagree with it, do you think it's really going to change the way they live their life? If you're negative and hateful and resentful and judging, of course not. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that, but yet that's what we do. And what did Jesus do with people that we would disagree with their lifestyles? He loved them. And what does that do to us when we read it? It honestly should bring a tear to your eye. It should make you, it should give you goosebumps. And I think it does for a lot of us. But when we look at it, for some reason, we have this disconnect between what he did with them and what we should do with them. Yeah. Them being people who have a different way of life, different worldview, different actions than us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, Jesus, look how he did it, man. Like, look who he was with. Seriously. I mean, we all know it, but if we're called to be like Jesus, then why aren't we doing the same thing? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, looking at our own lives be. going, we are that person. Like Jesus <laughs> is willing to hang out with me. It should create the same kind of visceral reaction in us. Man, I do not deserve that. Mm-hmm. That will move you to change and to a commitment right. to Christ mm-hmm. that is strong and also humble, loving yeah. and also like black and white. Sin yeah. is wrong every single time. Yes, I disagree with that because it's sinful and you should not be doing that. And I, and I still love you. Mm-hmm. That's what God does with us. We can yeah. do the same thing. We should be doing the same thing. Yeah. And make it a habit to take, take a step back and, and recalibrate. Figure out where you are. I mean, just in this conversation, I have <laughs> uh, portrayed these ideas that I'm saying on other people. And not myself. And I'm not I'm not taking I'm not taking responsibility for the things that I am you know it's easy when I'm talking talking about it, it's easy to to like almost like preach. But I am I am being I'm talking to myself here. This is I am just as much, if not more responsible for this than anyone else, especially now that I'm saying it out loud. Like I'm literally saying it. I'm going on record saying these things encouraging these things for others and I need to take responsibility. So it's important Amen. for us to have those times where we sit, stop, think about what we have, who we are, what we've done, how blessed we are, and enable that to make a change in our lives and to, yeah, recalibrate. I don't know a better word than that. Like it's, it's really sometimes good. you just have, need to do have that. Have the kind of moment you did in church. Exactly. Recognize that, that you might not be <laughs> that perfect Christian sitting in your yeah. pew on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. This is a conversation <laughs> that, that we should continue having in future episodes. I'd like yeah. to have um, Steve, Steve Moore, I, mm-hmm. I think is his last name, um, to talk about the branding idea. And I, I think that it would, be, it would be good to have this conversation um, just so that we can see how we're doing. You know, because like yeah. I said earlier, I'm not looking to really make a huge amount of change in other people's lives. I, I think that more than anything, this is convicting for me. 
which is why I didn't want to talk about it. (laughs) Because because I, I don't, I know what the, I know what the answers are, but it's, I don't do a great job of living up to them, which is an awful thing to really face. If you know what to do and you don't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also a very, thank you. Yeah, it's a good thing to to recognize. It's actually, it mm-hmm. kind of lifts a weight off, I think. Mm-hmm. When you realize it and you admit it out loud, especially <laughs> to however yeah. many people are listening to this, I feel mm-hmm. a burden lifted because it's mm-hmm. like, I don't have to hold on to this and pretend anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, that's, yeah, anyway. I think um, I think the best way that I can end this, so my, my wife and I pray together every Monday and I'll, I'll actually call her after I'm done here. But I think we should pray. Um, I think I'd just like to pray, just to yeah. thank God for what He's done and and um, please and what He can and might do through this this conversation. If yeah. you're listening to this and you're just really, you might feel convicted or you might feel like you have a new idea of how to uh, approach this. Um, I believe that God will meet you there, regardless of where you are in that process. Obviously, Tim and I have come a long way since we started this and. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Thank you, God. So that's, um, I'll, I'll pray. Um, and then you can wrap up the episode. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Dear God, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as we are having this conversation and we're coming to an end here, God, that you would not... Uh, let this be the last time we talk about this or think about this, but that you would continue to speak to us, speak to me, help me understand how to be a better neighbor, help me understand how to be um, more loving and less judgmental. And we just thank you so much for the things that we don't deserve that you've given us and for loving us, even though you know full, fully well what, what we've done with our lives. I pray that we would have a better understanding of that today. Hmm. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. That was good. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate every every single one of you. And uh, for those of you that have caught up with Matt on tour, um, love it. Love you guys. Uh, definitely try to uh, hit him up after a show if you um, haven't yep, lots of seen tour left. play yet. Lots of tour left. Um, and, uh, 20 shows. Yeah, let him know. That you listen to the podcast. It's always a, a cool, encouraging thing to hear. So, Absolutely. Um, we do have a Patreon community um, underneath this podcast. If you're interested, go check it out. Patreon.com slash Holy Ghost Notes. There's a bunch of tier levels that um, you can sign up for to support us. We, uh, again, don't make money off of this podcast other than what is uh, supporting us through Patreon. So, no advertising. This is a free podcast completely. So if you're interested in supporting us, check it out there. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't make money from this podcast. But uh, you uh, you can take advantage of a bunch of uh, really cool perks, uh, namely our Inner Circle community, which is just an amazing group of people underneath this podcast. We say it every episode, and it doesn't get any less true. <laughs> so mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, at a certain tier, you can also uh, get involved with uh, mattgrinderlessons.com. Um mm-hmm. And that gets you into drummer hangouts on Wednesday, which drummer is hangouts freaking awesome. Happening tonight, actually, it happens on my go. days off on tour. 
Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So definitely check that out. Um, we appreciate the support. No pressure, though. If it's not for you, all good. We appreciate you listening. Uh, especially, thank you for listening today. We do have one big shout out to Robbie McVeigh, who is a new What's up, Robbie? Inner Circle community member. So congrats and, and uh, welcome to the community, Robbie. Looking forward to getting to know you. If you guys have any questions or comments or feedback, um, hit us up on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, DM us, or uh, email us at mattandtim at theholyghostnotes.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're a drummer, make sure you're posting those drum videos and using the hashtag Holy Ghost Notes. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. This was great. Um, I mean, I hated it. Um, <laughs> it was painful, <laughs> but... <laughs> Actually, I felt like it was really, I felt like it was really good. I um, appreciate you bringing this up. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. In a roundabout way. (laughs) Good stuff, man. Appreciate (laughs) you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. 82 in the books. 82 in the books. That's insane. Mm. Got some good stuff ahead, though. I'm excited. We do. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk about that in uh, three, two, one. Peace.